Ned was clad in a white linen doublet with the dire wolf of Stark on his breast. His black wool cloak was fastened at the collar by his silver hand of office, black and white and gray. All the shades of truth. Hello, and welcome to 2C1C, a Game of Thrones living card game podcast founded in 2010 by myself, Will Lentz, Greg Atkinson, and Brad Zeiler. These days, my co-hosts may differ, but we're generally pulling from at least some familiar core voices. Many thanks go out to Fantasy Flight Games' George R. Martin, Card Game DB, and Josh Woodward for the CC licensed music you're hearing now. This is Season 5. So... Welcome back to Two Champs and a Chump, episode uh, 205 now, I believe. We're rocking and rolling. We're moving into the home stretch for first edition here. Um, but uh, we've got second edition news, too. So I think joining me to go over it all this week, we have... I'm Aaron. And I'm Greg. Oh, yeah. And I'm Will. But you guys already knew that, right? Uh, you talk a lot. I generally do. I generally do. Hey, I'm now going to be on two episodes in a row. Consecutive episodes. That's almost regular again. Ooh. Who are you and what have you done with the real regular <laughs> I just got horrified realizing this makes me Zyler. I guess. Ew. I mean, it's a good horrified though, right? Uh, yeah, we can say that. <laughs> okay. Speaking of good horrified, let's move into that preview article for second edition. This one is kind of interesting to me uh, because it it specifically mentions that the title is On the Tourney Ground, and it says preview jousts and melees in the Game of Thrones the card game, and then about one paragraph is spent on joust, and um, then everything else is melee, <laughs> which is fine, I suppose. The change. There are actual changes to melee that warrant talking about. Assumedly, none for joust. Hey, this is the only time I'm planning on thinking about melee for second edition. So, let's do it. Uh, I have to admit, <clears throat> I did not read the article, but I did open the article and go look at the infographic on it. It's uh, a so. sharp graphic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a neat looking thing, and then I noticed that you know one of the titles had changed by name. So that's, you know, those are the two things I noticed. Yeah, yeah. There's several things that changed. We've, we've got a brand new set of titles here. Should we just, should we read the text of all the titles first and then kind of talk about them or uh, go one by one? I think we should talk about what changed about Melee first. That seems like a, like a good idea. Well, the titles have indeed changed, so that's one thing. But the actual structure of choosing titles has changed a little bit as well. It looks like they're still chosen uh, at the beginning of each round, but uh, when the first player goes to actually choose the titles, he has to shuffle them up 
uh, and remove one at random from the game face down. Um, and then she will no longer look at that uh, and choose out of the remaining uh, titles there for their first one and pass to the next player who will choose their first one, place it face down, and so on. That way, uh, no one actually knows for dead certain what title anyone else chose until they're all chosen. Then they get revealed face up. I love that. That's a skill multiplier. That means, uh, like, you have to fit, try and read people at the table. You have to pay attention to things. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be it, it's going to be great trying to, to guess and second guess uh, who grabs what title, like what's most advantageous to them, so that you can potentially try to be whoever they support to keep them off your back or who that who may rival them. Uh, I guess that is also another slight tweak uh, to all of the titles. They now use the term rival instead of oppose, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm going to go ahead, Aaron. No, please. Uh, well, I agree with Aaron in that I love the idea of this. Just the first thought of um, the sense. I, I Well, I'm getting all tongue-tied now. but um, Easy. Yeah. <laughs> The sense that there's a little bit of randomness involved, but at the same time, you know, uh, I was just emailing Will today about a Melee deck I'm considering for Gen Con, and one of the emails I put together was that I wanted a deck that could utilize all six titles. And I I love the idea, like you said, Aaron, you're calling it a skill multiplier, just the sense that you're not guaranteed to get the title you want. Even if you win initiative, you're still not guaranteed to get it. And you also don't know what everyone else has. So you're you're not really gaming the system, you know. You now are saying, you know, of the titles that I have to select from, what is you know, what is the best to help me do what I want to do, but I don't get to dictate what, you know, what other people are going to be able to do. What? Let me rephrase that. I'm not going to be able to dictate what one specific person can do or not do against me. You know, if even if you are the the first person, or excuse me, the second person picking, you don't know exactly what the first person took. So if you don't want that person to attack you and you think, well, maybe they took this title and I can choose another one that, you know, theirs would support, but you could be 50% chance wrong. So I don't know. I love, I love what it's opening up in terms of melee gameplay. It makes deals a lot more complicated too, which I really enjoy. Because sometimes you're gonna have to, you're not gonna understand, you're not gonna really know who you oppose and who you can make a deal with. You're gonna have to attack people that you have a deal with much more often, or sit there and take it. Well, or you'll just wait to make the deal until you know who has what title after they've been chosen. It will make it harder to offer deal makers. Well, plots can be deal makers, yes. Uh, initiative can also potentially be a deal maker, it, but it won't necessarily be now. You can't offer, hey, do you desperately want Crown Regent or what have you? I'll let you go first so you can grab it because they may not be able to. Here's another thing is three-player games. I think it's going to make oh. immensely, immensely better because the the old you know the 1.0 version support and oppose mechanic can make three player games just downright stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
You know, and I, I remember the first time I learned that the hard way, and it was 2008 Worlds. So it was technically before the LCG format was the format for Worlds, but in 2007 they had introduced Melee. It was 2007, I believe, was the first year of of a Melee event at Worlds. So 2008 was the first year we used the titles because the core set had come out by then. And we I actually was, had the titles before the core set, but. Okay. Um, I don't remember this, but, you know, I'm stupid and don't remember much, so... I've got Black Border ones. Oh, you're right. There are Black Border ones. Um, so, anyways... I don't anyways, if they were Iron Throne or Five Kings Edition, but we did have them in the CCG toward the end. So, anyways... Um, I remember when they first came out, I would always choose them based off of the benefit they gave you, you know, draw a card, you know, um, get two gold, whatever it happens to be. And the first time I set at a three-player table with Ram out in California, he would always win initiative and go second. And I was the person that would always go first. And whatever title I chose, he kept choosing (laughs) one that I supported. And so I could never attack him. And basically every... Every game became one versus two, and I, you'd think I'd learn, but every turn I just kept doing the same thing. Ooh, I want an extra card. I want an extra card, and so I, I lost that melee game pretty significantly and uh, learned the hard way that the support and oppose is by far the most valuable thing in a three-player game. Yeah, and I I think you're right to draw attention to that because I think, um, I mean, I know three-player melees were certainly – my personal most hated aspect of uh melee and, and definitely at organized events so it's it's good to see them uh address that in a way that hopefully makes it much more bearable right i mean you're still going to have games where the ti- the way the titles come out it's still going to be one versus two but now it's much more randomized and there's not going to be one person that's going to be able to dictate it so much yeah and speaking of that, they've also tweaked the supporting and rivaling system so that each of the uh, the titles here supports one other, and they, they've got this nice infographic, like you mentioned, that shows how they support in a circle. And then they rival to others uh, to help you get a little bit of unopposed power. Of course, this is aside from the Crown Regent, who still kind of stands outside of that circle, but I did notice there's also a tweak to the uh, to the rivaling uh, as uh, standing indifference to the former opposing. Uh, I saw that you can claim that power for each person that you rival when you win your challenge against them. Oh, really? Which should absolutely be there. I, yes. Yeah. That was unnecessarily confusing before. Agreed. Uh, so that means melee is going to speed up even a little bit more then. Right. Well, eventually. Yeah, the, the the general power level of the game, I'm sure, is going to be brought so far back down in 2nd edition that that's probably not a initial concern, but definitely something to watch later on. Well, should we dive into the titles themselves? Sure. Go ahead and uh, should we tick off all of them since we've kind of talked about the general changes? Well, one at a time. Okay. Quickly. Yeah, well, let's start then with good old Crown Regent. 
Uh, Crown Region is much the same as before. Um, it supports no one, it rivals no one, and allows you to redirect one challenge this round. But it has an addition down here at the bottom that I love. It actually works its way into the cycle of little uh, stat bonuses. Uh, and this one gives you plus two strength for dominance. Which the old one gave you plus three strength and power. Right, right. Um, but they've, they've shifted that around elsewhere for reasons we will probably see as we go here. Um, but of course there's not influence anywhere. Um, so they had to do something, you know, with that. And I think dominance strength Makes sense and is definitely fitting for the theme of Crown Regent. I really have Crown Regent's always been my favorite. I love the redirect. Agreed. I like how similar it is, and I like the boost to dominance. It's also it's worth. Al- oh, it's ahead. already so strong that like anything more than just a boost to dominance, I think, would be too much. Yeah, yeah, and and that was definitely something that made the Crown Regent just, in my opinion, the best in. First Ed, the, the plus three strength on power on top of the redirect really let you leverage things if you were in the lead. I will agree that in first edition I found it the most versatile. Uh, you know, whether it was the best or not is pretty deck dependent um, and situation dependent. I'm not sure that I like this one better yet. Um, I You know, I don't want to give a cop out of an answer, but... You know, part of me is, well, I just kind of want to wait and see. Does plus two dominance really matter? Um, does it seem like an ability that just gets lost in most games and is forgotten about? Or does it actually make a difference? Because it does seem like a significant strength, you know, reduction relative to the 1.0 version. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one down, but dominance definitely generally is, is trickier to come by than a single challenge win. Or, well, multiple challenge participations, depending on the characters you have. But that's neither here nor there. Um, shall I read the next one, or shall we trade those off? I'll take Master of Coin, because okay. I, li- I like Littlefinger. Yeah. Master of Coin is supported by Master of Laws. It supports Master of Ships, rivals Hand of the King, and Master of Whispers, plus two gold. And that's it. Okay, you know what? Never mind. They improve things <laughs> with the rivals business, but now that you've got supported by and supports in a line uh, on the card, uh, that is also tricky. So I think the strength of this particular one has gone up big time, given how expensive characters are. Um, well, we have seen a lot of characters, you know, in previous spoiler articles as well as several plots, it, you know, first glance, it looks like the overall cost of characters has gone up more than the overall, you know, plot generation gold. Um, I don't know if we've seen enough locations to see if that they, they make up the gap. If they don't make up the gap, this might become the number one most powerful title, um, just with people trying to grab that early gold to play out their big character in a melee game. I mean, as a guess early on, because, again, economy spreads as the game goes on, especially as we get box sets, which we're all, I think, assuming we're going to get at some point. Um, as economy grows, this will go down in power, but early on, I think this is going to be a bomb. Yeah, especially with characters we've seen, like Eddard, who like already looks like a very good character in Joust, but I think is going to be phenomenal in Melee. 
Yeah. You know, even in 1.0, there are many games when the plus two gold titles, the first one chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, either someone, you know, is gold screwed a little bit, they didn't get any income locations, or they just want that extra two gold to help spam out characters on the board. Um, you know, I think we already often see that, you know, the master of coin being highly sought after in 1.0. So, yeah, this, it might even be better now. You know, one other little thing about it, uh, it's worth pointing out that that plus two gold is also effectively uh, the same as the plus two dominance for the crown regent. Or a slightly more flexible version of that, let's say. Slightly more okay. flexible. Much more flexible. <laughs> Given that it can play events, too. Ridiculously more flexible. The, the, the crown regent is the master of coin who has no cards to spend their gold on. Right, right. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's possible. Like, I think the plus two for Dom on Crown Regent is going to be reasonable on top of what is a very strong ability. Giving the Master of Coin, uh, at the very, like, worst case, the ability to have that same thing is just, just interesting, especially since it shows them right next to each other in the article here. All right. Okay. Kicks me on over to Master of Laws. Indeed. Yep, it is supported by Hand of the King. It then, in turn, supports the Master of Coin. It rivals both the Master of Whispers and the Master of Ships, and increases the number of cards you draw in the draw phase by one, and then down at the bottom gives you plus one to reserve, which I think is is borderline required. If you're going to give people more draw with the reserve values we've been seeing right now, like I'm not, I'm not 100% certain I would want to grab a title that just gave me the extra card that I may not be able to play and then just have to toss. See, I don't think I agree. Um, I think you're going to be looking for certain cards, especially early, because you're going to have a lot of like kind of filler in your deck. So that extra bit of digging in the deck, even if you end up discarding it, is probably worth it. Um, until I'm proven otherwise, draw equals win. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. So, yeah. Yeah, Daryl, uh, do otherwise. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's going to be hard to ever turn down an extra card. Agreed. Also, though, like, the quote on this one annoys me. Why is that? Because it has nothing to do with the Master of Laws. Yeah. I mean, it, it mentions the laws, but yeah, not necessarily the master of laws. Because, uh, I'm trying to remember, under Robert Stannis was master of ships and Renly was master of laws, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so they don't even have that connection. Who's the current master of laws? Do we even know? Oh, gosh. Is it Giles Rosby? No, he takes over as, uh, master of coin, right? Yes. Is it Mace? It might be Mace. No, Mace's hand? Um, man, it gets gets hard to keep track of in the uh, in the fourth book. I tend to to block most of that out. Yeah, since it was horribly boring. Yeah, hmm. someone will let us know. Exactly, let us know in the comments. Okay, ships to you. Okay, we've got Master of Ships up next. It's supported by the Master of Coin. It supports the Master of Whispers. Rivals Master of Laws and Hand of the King. Raise the claim value on your revealed plot card by one during military challenges in which you are attacking a rival. And in addition, it gives you one extra strength to your military challenges. Um, eh? So, well, first, this mm. is essentially the Lord Commander replacement. Yes. Well, depending on how you look at it, yeah. I mean, 
it also boosts your military strength, but everything else about it is different. Right, but we no longer have a Lord Commander title. Right, right. The name's changed. Now this one is actually in on the support and rival system, and now we're boosting claim uh, instead of jumping in uh, for other people. So it's interesting. And it's only boosting claim against your rivals. Right. But you rival two different people, so hopefully you can get one of those through. I mean, for everything else as a standard effect, this is significantly worse to me. And and unless two claim is as powerful as we think it might be. I think there's a good chance it is. What about that plus one strength, though? That seems like kind of a snooze fest after the plus threes of first ad. Yeah, really. Um... I mean, whoopee, plus one strength. I, I think it might be, you know, one of the more deal-making titles. Yeah. Just in the sense that, it's, particularly if you sit at a table with two people, you know, that have your rival titles, and, you know, one of them is going to get hit by a two-claim military from you, you know, you you negotiate which one's actually going to get hit by it, you know. Um, I, I realize I'm probably just trying to draw some positives. I tend to agree with Aaron that it feels definitely the most blah of the ones we've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, and of honestly, of the ones we're going to see, as we'll get to. Yeah. Now, I'm, I may be jumping a bit sideways here, but something interesting, thinking about the Lord Commander uh, not being here to, to jump in front of people, you know, I didn't see anything in the in the explanation text here mentioning being able to defend for people you support, just that you can't attack them. I would mm. I would think that's the kind of thing you bring up to talk about. Like that's that's a pretty big mechanic in first ed. Admittedly a rather confusing one. Maybe they dropped it. I'm fine with them dropping that if they did. That was stupidly confusing and required uh, all sorts of erratas and yeah, clarifications. It, it was basically never used unless somebody was like, "Oh, if I defend out for this other person, you know, I went off my renown or something, or I stopped the other person from winning." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah we don't need that. Huh? Interesting. Right. Okay. Whispers. Yep, uh, Master of Whispers. I'm I'm curious about this one because it was by far the least chosen of first edition. So let's see what we get into. Uh, supported by Master of Ships. Supports Hand of the King, Rivals Master of Laws, and Master of Coin. Um, and then, actually, I like the the Rivals there. Rivals, too, that are going to be chosen a lot. And the text is, you may resolve your intrigue claim against any number of opponents of your choice. Woo, boy. And then plus one, Strength on Intrigue. You're going to make a lot of friends or a lot of enemies. That is a crazy deal-making one. Or if you just want to, like, just beat down, that's basically tripling your claim in in a normal four-player game. That's awesome. This seems really cool, but there is a general rule with melee, which is don't piss everybody off. And that general rule causes you to lose games if you don't follow it. So this feels like the I'm going to piss everyone off title. And it seems extremely powerful, but is it worth is it worth it if now all of a sudden everybody hates you at the table? That's if you choose to use it. You don't have to. It says may. And any number. Yeah. So you can make um, 
you can make extra friends with somebody. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're like, huh? If you get rid of this card for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, know, you know, someone has one of a couple cards in hand, and like you can both win an intrigue. It could it could also lead to some team up stuff where you're like, okay, you, you know, Greg, you're my buddy. Uh, you know, do you want do you want me to discard uh, extra cards from you know Tommy and, and Aaron or not or whatever you know like you could you could work somebody else in as your decision maker to solidify things. Yeah, I I also see it as being one of those cards in melee, and I realize the whole point of melee is deal making and backstabbing and stuff like that. But it definitely seems like one of those cards where collusion is going to be hard to avoid, even subconsciously. You know, yeah. just sort of like you're playing at a table with a good friend of yours, you win an intrigue against someone else. And, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, do I want this to hit my friend, too? You know, even though that wasn't your intent, you know, so and then if you don't, are you subconsciously, you know, colluding without even realizing it? You know, and I I haven't even spoken to people who consciously collude, but that can happen all the time anyways with all sorts of deal making options. But that's always been my biggest problem with melee. But hmm. Um, if used well, this is going to be a fun card. And if used poorly, then this is a little bit broken. But so is the next one. The next one looks pretty awesome, too. Why don't you lay it on us? We've got Hand of the King, supported by the Master of Whispers. Supports the Master of Laws. Rivals coin and chips. You may initiate an additional power challenge during the challenge phase, obviously, against a different opponent, and then a plus one to your power strength. Wow. that's your closer. Way wow. better than the old end of the king. <laughs> Way better. Wow. I mean, like, and if they're open, you could send one of those against the master of coin that you rival, and then one at the master of ships, and so you also get the extra power from both of them. Oh, if you get it unopposed. Wait, what? If you get it unopposed, no? No, no, no. Rivaling oh, is if you just win against them. Okay. Well, that's ridiculous. So this is your closer, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's very likely at least an extra three power. More more if you have Renown and such. Yeah. Whew, boy. Yeah, this seems incredibly strong. Yeah, that one's awesome. It Here's a question for you, and this is a far-seeing question. But if the thought is that this is the most powerful title, will this the existence of this title skew melee deck the the melee deck metagame from day one just in the sense that all of a sudden you know people recognize that the power challenge is the most important from round one and you know decks become very heavily you know power challenge oriented not just you know hey i grabbed this title and you know want to swoop to the win but if I don't get the title, I want to, you know, have enough defense that I'm not allowing someone to win on the second turn by doing their two power challenges. Could be tough, but I, I was looking here at some of the other rivals and stuff. Uh, you might, you might make some enemies too. Uh, if you look scary with it, I do note that Master of Ships, both rivals Hand of the King, and then of course would be upping military claim against Hand of the King. 
that can make utilizing those extra powers tricky. That's a good point, and that's one of the things we haven't gotten into yet is just the the intricacies of rival and support, and do any of these titles um you know rival or support someone in a way that you know is diametrically opposed to the the benefit that the title itself offers yeah boy it's tricky the way they're they're woven together like this uh i've definitely had to flip back and forth the other one that opposes uh hand of the king is master of coin which uh, aside from that the general incentive that that provides is one that we're pretty certain will be picked all the time. So yeah. there, there is also steady incentive there uh, to go after Hand of the King. Well, so I don't know. I'm, you're definitely inviting um, some some brutal incoming challenges, I think. Do you remember 1.0 Corset Melee? Corset only? Uh, only vaguely. <laughs> they were like three-hour games. Well, this so, should speed things up then. Exactly. That's why I'm happy this exists. Yeah. Overall, these look awesome. I mean, not just like the changes and tweaks to them, which I really like, but template-wise, I think these titles are the what I've been the happiest with so far. They look sharp. I'm mostly satisfied with them as well. Good art, good templating, nice and straightforward. Mm-hmm. You don't need anything but the cards. Yep. All right. Well, there's the Melee article. Hey, do we know when? Does it say specifically when we put the uh, cards back, when you give up your titles? Oh, your title. I did not see that. I'm going to assume that that is still um, at the end of the round. I mean, it could be taxation. Has it back. Yeah, the exact timing I'm not sure of. Oh, well, we shall see. I'm sure it's addressed. Hopefully. Actually, I'm kind of re-skimming. I'm not sure I mentioned them going back, or see them mention them going back at all, which so you might keep insinuate them keeping them all game, but I, if that's the case, I really don't like that. Well, I don't think that's actually going to be the case. Like, that would be the kind of change that would be actively mentioned, you know? Yeah, I would sure hope you say, so. And then you keep them for the game, because that's such a huge change. That would really change how you weigh what you do with them, or, you know, which one you choose. Okay, well, there we go. I think that sends us on to something possibly more exciting to the listener base at large. 2C1C has its own exclusive preview card again. And ours is awesome. Oh, it's awesome. It looks gorgeous, like, art-wise and... Ah, this is an exciting one. And if I'm not mistaken, the alternating card reading sends this one back to me, doesn't it? Go for it. All right, we have a beat stick upon us, listeners. This is the Queen of Thorns. She appears to be a Tyrell character, seven cost, intrigue and power icons, and five strength. She's a lady and has the reaction, after you win an intrigue challenge in which the Queen of Thorns is participating, put a Tyrell character with printed cost six or lower into play from your hand. Bazinga. Wow. In which which she's participating. Yeah, attack attack or or defend. defend. Wow. Ah. 
Oh, and she looks so Queen of Thorns. Okay, she has to put a Tyrell character into play. Not neutral, not, uh, you know, secondary house. Right, right. Specifies Tyrell. Okay. But sure. I assume there's still going to be, like, a bunch of options. And they'll, we'll only get more. And it, so far, seven appears to be the top end of the scale. Yeah, I feel we like see. we're going to get a, set, a seven per house and then maybe a six and five. Because, like, we had Eddard at seven, right? Yeah, and then Eddard Rob was would appear to be, yeah. Rob was six. I think, didn't we see somebody else that was seven? Was, did Danny? we see Cat? Danny? Cat? No, Cat was yeah. four. No, um, we saw a couple other sevens. We saw Tywin at seven. We saw Danny at seven. Yeah, there we go. See, but, we've seen sevens. So I would assume the seven is the high end, and then, like, the rest is six, five, and down? Yeah. Well, it would make sense that the Queen of Thorns is kind of the keystone character for... Tyrell, if that's the way they're treating it, that the seven cost character is the keystone since, you know, she's essentially the leader of that house, you know, calls, calls her own, um, husband <laughs> and oaf and her, and her son and oaf. So, yeah. So, yeah, man, how's that for action advantage, so to speak? Like, we were talking about these expensive characters, how it's nice if they can do the work of more than one character, which Adder definitely does. Queen of Thorns, though, man, takes that to a whole new level. Yes, I mean, six cost, that's nutty. Six cost is going to have to be either Mace or Knight of Flowers, I would guess. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be the six cost character. Right, but, but the that, point that is, yeah. like, if yeah. you can get, like... Yeah. We're assuming this huge tentpole. Like, we saw what Rob did. I think he's the only six we've seen so far, right? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so. so. I mean, no, maybe or, uh, five. Was John six? John Snow? John was six. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, like, Rob both and of them was awesome. Hugely and powerful. Did the work of multiple characters. Like, dropping them in for free, this is huge economy. Yeah. Huge. Huh. And if you think about it, I mean, we don't know when all the draw is going to take place you know, in the game, but we do know that the reserve happens, you know, uh, after after dominance. So if you're, if there's a way to draw cards prior to challenges and you have a, and you win the challenge with queen of throne, queen of thorns and can dump one of the cards into play, you know, you are drawing and then getting around this, you know, reserve handicap. And that little banner that we assume meant loyal does not appear to be on her. Yeah, it does. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. It's right there I, at the bottom of her shield. Oh, there it goes. I'm blind. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, good. At least she's, that would, that'll help. I, I really feel like if that means loyal, shouldn't it say loyal on it or something? Like, wouldn't that be a much better way to show that by actually putting the word in it? I mean, has that, maybe. Has it ever like how out? the characters and attachments and stuff say, like, see how she says character in <laughs> that little banner underneath the yeah. seven costs? Like, couldn't they have just put loyal in that one if that's what it means? I mean, Do we have the whole confirmation of this. Assuming. No, the whole community just seems to be assuming it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's and that's why I'm saying, like, if they're going to do that for the character costs and stuff, like, wouldn't it stand to reason that if that is loyal, like, it would say loyal in that banner? I mean, maybe, but like, FFG isn't really consistent with things like that usually. Hmm. They can be. I'm not saying they are or aren't. I'm just saying that you know, word the word loyal missing, it wouldn't be like. Oh my god, that's such an egregious oversight. I would. Yeah. You got you got to start second edition off on a strong foot. Hmm. I don't oh. know. 
But the Tyrell template looks so sharp. I keep looking at that that green border. She keeps being a barricard in my head as I glance at her. I know, right? It's going to be so weird. I may have to jump ship and play some Tyrell. That looks gorgeous. More Um, ways than one. Into old women, huh? Yeah, he's really into old women. (laughs) Yeah. She's she's beyond cougar. She's, I don't know, mountain lion. Oh, Jesus. All right. Um, I think she's a phenomenal tentpole. And if you can get her into play early, I think she wins games. I think she's probably the best seven-coster we've seen. I would agree. Yeah. I mean, Danny lowers strength by one, but, like, there's that's taking a big character down to, like, four, so that's not nothing. You know what I mean? Uh, Eddard's good, but he can be stealth and other things. And then there's um, Tywin, who just seems the weakest of all of them. He he definitely seems the weakest so far, and especially if like you're considering like how much advantage like they give you. Like she's a huge resource boost and action advantage. Eddard is solid action advantage. Uh, Danny is kind of. Uh, somewhere in the middle-ish, I guess, depending on what Insight does. Oh, Tywin definitely how much burn we have. Like, provides no action advantage, really, and his like income boost is way below this. I mean, sure, you can also spend it on all the other card types other than character, but like, I, I think if I just had to choose all other things excluded between these two... It's it's Queen of Thorns every time, hands down, right? Oh, 100%. I, I really think she's easily the best seven-cost character that we've seen. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So what do we think the seven-cost characters for the houses we haven't seen are? Uh, I mean, Red Viper, totally, right? For uh, it could be. I mean, it could be Doran. He's the head of the house. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Given that it's Thrones, though, I would guess Viper just because... I guess all the ones we've existed. seen so far have been head of the house. Um, uh, Queen of Thorns is not technically the head of the house. Uh, <laughs> not technically, okay. I said technically. Technically, it's Mace. Yeah, but, technically, uh, it's definitely Mace. Yeah. Uh, that makes Night's Watch probably Old Bear. Bear, yeah, that would be cool. And um, are we missing one more? Robert. Gotta be Robert, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally has to be. Is that all the houses? Yep. Well, why does it... Oh, it just has to be Robert. Oh, wait, no. Greyjoy. begin with? Greyjoy? Oh. Balor? Yeah, I would guess Robert. I I, I mean, I could see a case for Stannis, though. He's he's much more prominent in the book since, you know, he lasts much longer. Yeah, but but Nate said they were really, like, pulling this back to, to, like, the very beginning and roots and, like kind of how things were represented in the first book. Well, that uh, means Balon for Greyjoy then, right? Right. Yeah, totally. Which does give us Viper very likely for Martell because, I mean, we can't go back to the first book for him, but he's our first major Martell. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. We think cool. we have our seven costers. I guess that sends us on to... Uh, Continue our our fond farewell, or at least painful and awkward right. farewell to first edition. Time out, Greg. Do you need to go? Um, I'm going to do a few cards. Let's buzz through. We're probably getting close to 45 minutes, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we've been on the call for 56. Yeah, yeah, but we spent like 20 minutes before we started recording. Yeah, yep. yeah, as usual. 
Okay. Right. So I'm gonna yeah. I'll make it a little while and then I'll need to go. So all right, we'll okay. we'll just try to to power through them as quick as we can. All right, shall we? Yeah, I'm first, I guess. Uh, let let me at least intro yeah, this part course. real quick. Okay, guys, here we go. Uh, grab uh, grab a tissue because this is the final chapter pack in the Warden Cycle for Game of Thrones First Edition. Here is our review of the blue is calling. So I own this pack and I'm never opening it. So 1.0 will never die. It's a collector's item, man. It's going to be worth thousands in a decade of pennies, maybe um, dwarfs pennies. In dwarfs pennies. <laughs> our first character is a Brathian character. It is a unique Brathian character. Three cost, two strength. Sir Gaiad Morrigan, uh, Rainbow Guard and Knight. It's got a military and intrigue icon and stealth. Response. After you win a challenge in which at least one Rainbow Guard character participated, stand Sir Gaiad Morgan. Then, Sir Gaiad Morgan gains a power icon until the end of the phase. Limit once per phase. I actually uh, like this one. He's basically a tricon, right? Yeah. Assuming you can win one challenge with him. Mm-hmm. And he's he has tricon. stealth, so that shouldn't be too hard. Right. He's a tricon that's going to be in two challenges. Yeah, he was the one that I think was up against probably the stiffest competition in his prior card that gave stealth to all your barrel lords. But uh, I think I think this one probably edges it out just a little bit since he can also get in on the intrigue, which the lords are a bit less likely to do. I think he's an excellent card. I'm happy for balance sake that he's two strength. If he was three strength, he'd be in every deck ever. He yeah. he may still be worth one copy in most. <laughs> in most, just not every. He does dictate uh, the order of your challenges a little bit, though, uh, which is a little awkward, especially since the the power icon is the one he doesn't have. I mean, and there are really. definitely games where Barrow wants to start there. Yeah, but let him start with power. Um, then he can make an intrigue, and he'll stand, and then he can do military. Yeah, you're getting you're getting half the power total use out of him. Yeah, you're not so. getting no, you're getting the exact same use. I think him gaining the power icon is definitely the weaker of the two abilities he gains. The ability to stand is much stronger than yeah. gaining a power icon. I don't think it's a weakness. Like if he can if he contributes in both military and entry, there's no rule that says he has to contribute to that power challenge. No, there, there's not. I'm just saying it. It it is dictating something there. If you want him to participate, if you just want to write him off as if he didn't have the icon, then sure, that doesn't change anything. But it it is something to consider when you're deciding your challenges. Well, he's got very minor minor anti anti synergy with the uh, River Runner because they stand to get intrigue and he stands to get uh, power. Yeah. Yeah. So. Short of that, I think he's an excellent, excellent card. Or, well, and sorry, it, a it, very good card. It should be noted that while he can trigger himself, he doesn't have to. You can win a challenge with another Rainbow Guard to stand him. Right, right, which is pretty cool, actually. That That's pretty flexible. Um, it is a response, so it's going to be very cancelable. But this is the kind of thing I don't really mind if my opponent blows a cancel on, usually. Like, if this gets a he calls it thinking, I get to trigger something else that I'd like, like a save or something. Yeah, very possibly. Especially in the, in the kind of decks that want to push those challenges through. So what kind rating. of rating? Yeah. 
I'll go B minus. I think he's a good card. Baron Knights is probably Barry's best deck, and he's going to be a staple there. I'm I'm willing to push him up to a solid B. I think he's definitely uh, all things considered as good as the Knight of Flowers. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Like Ooh. the stealth versus Renown's a little bit of a trade off. Doesn't kneel for attack or defense. Nope. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you know, there there's some differences there, but I think I'd put him in that same range. I think, you know, if we're comparing to the Knight of Flowers, uh, you know, the Anti Shadows Knight of Flowers is as close as it gets to a uh, unique that's an auto include in all my bear decks. I'm not saying he is, but he's as close as it gets. And I agree that this guy's pretty close, not quite as good. So I'm gonna say B or B plus. Because I do think most most decks you're going to say, is it worth running one copy of him? And you're probably going to end up at, yeah, I think it is worth running one copy of him. Agreed. All right. Sends me over to our next one. Um, ugh, page didn't load while I was gone. Okay. Next one up is Marjorie's Favor. Now, this one is a Baratheon attachment. It's one cost. It has the favor trait. Uh, it goes on a Rainbow Guard character or Renly Baratheon only. And response after you win a challenge in which attached character participated, draw one card. Oh, it's good on that last guy. Uh, I dig it. Yeah. I mean, and there's a, there's a few others I would play. If it was set up, I would really love it. But as is... Like, yeah, it replaces itself if I can get at least one through, which isn't terrible. If I can keep the character around or get multiple challenges, all the better. I'm really not a big fan of its limited targets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do realize every Brathian deck is going to run a Renly. You know, you're either running the three for four Renly, um, the King version, you know, or you're probably running the prized Renly. And the, a few times I'll see the Bring cost the old for, standing one back. Yeah. Um, to stand Tricon? But. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, the lack of targets really hinders this. I feel like. You might play this in a night deck where you can go search for another rainbow guard with Bitter Bridge Encampment. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I think what'll happen is this is what I see happening. People are going to say, Ooh, yes, draw for Barra. They put it in. And then there's going to be too many games where they look at it and like, I can't play it. I can't play it. I can't play it. You know? And then they're like, I'm just cutting it from the deck because I'm tired of it sitting in my hand. Right. And I haven't checked. But do any of the Rainbow Guards say no attachments? I know some of the first iteration did, but I don't know if this, you know, the the new Rainbow Guard in this last cycle, uh, if any of them say no attachments. I'm going to have so. to hop over to Card Game DB to check, but it's so, not. While you're, while you're looking, I don't think this card is good. Like, I think this is a trap card that yeah. sit in your hand, ruin games. It's It needs... If you're going to play dedicated Rainbow Guard, you're just losing games anyway. So, I mean, no. No thank you. You know, this isn't a fair comparison for any card to compare it to a card on the restricted list, but comparing this to Pyromancer's Cash, a -hmm. card that, you know, went on a location, so, you know, it had much more um, robust 
permanency, you know, in the game. Um, it drew you one, possibly two cards a turn if you had a king or queen in play. And yes, I realize it went on the restricted list, but the two cards are night and day in my mind. And they're both one cost attachments that are intended to draw you cards. What? Yeah, the none of the Rainbow Guard have no attachments. The or, question, as always, at this point in the game, the question, as always, is this is a non-setup slot that you are taking. When you are taking a non-setup slot, what are you removing? Is this better than Fiery Kiss? No. Is this better than, uh, what's the one that stands up to three costs worth of characters? Uh, Force March. Force March. Is this better than Force March? No. And that's based, is this better than Mel's Favor? No. Is it better than Motley? No. And that's about all you're really considering there, right? I mean, nightmares and such, certainly not. So it doesn't have a spot. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think it'll only go in very specialized Rainbow Guard night decks where you are actually running multiple copies of Rainbow Guard characters. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a D. Okay. I'm feeling like a C- minus myself. Draw is still nice. I think some somebody that really wants to try to push Rainbow Guard could maybe get some use out of it, but it's it's not great. You're yeah. late on attachments. You're I'll say D, on attachments. D plus. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Stag and the Rose, the, sorry, the Stag and Rose, is a event, Baratheon, responds after you win a power challenge by four more total strength, move, move one power from an opponent's card to a barrier card you control. Until the end of the phase, that character gets plus one strength for each power on it. Um, never, ever, do we have to actually talk about this? I mean, there's going to be a few melee decks that that are going to try out a couple of copies of these. Not convinced is better than some of the other options that do very similar things, uh, and I I definitely don't think I would run with it in Joust, but maybe melee. I don't think you'd even run with it in melee. Um, I mean, it's getting you one extra power, one. And giving you one extra strength. Extra use uh, out of the character as well. It's not giving extra use out of a character. Oh, no, no, no. Why did I think I read stand that character? No, if it's stand, then yeah, that's a whole different ballgame. It is is totally worse than I I thought. So it's enough. Yeah, yeah. D minus, D minus. I'm going to give it an F. Yeah, it's an F. (laughs) Okay. We, We should be able to get through this one quickly. Yeah. We've already talked a little bit about uh, Iron King's Guard, uh, but we may let Greg weigh in on it a little bit. He's our first Greyjoy. It's unique. Three costs, three strength, military and power icons, army and raider, no attachments except weapon, and increase the cost to play the first character played each round by two. Uh, at first glance, it seems it seems brutal, okay? But that that is assuming you can make it work. Okay, so you've got to win initiative, and then you have to make your opponent go first. Um, so you, I think you actually have to dedicate deck construction, not like just deck space, like whole deck construction to make this guy viable. Yeah, that's and why then I if, like him. Then if you do that, yay, he's going to be very annoying you know, to your opponent, but you're just not splashing him in a Greyjoy deck. You're not even splashing him in a choke deck. You are splashing him in a dedicated initiative winning deck. If you look at all the different choke stuff that, well, all the different cards that choke wants to run, all the different plots, like you end up with four or five initiative as a general high, which 
makes him not very good to me. Yeah, it seems like um, outside of city plot decks, um, it seems like we're in a fairly high initiative environment. Or at least I know we were at Worlds, and I know you know lately with river plots kind of um, going away a little bit, and city plots seeing a strong resurgence again. Um, you know, maybe we're not in quite as high of initiative environment as as we were at Worlds, but um, yeah, I just he seems again very bombish at first, but I just don't know if that's how he's going to end up playing out. Choke just doesn't have the draw to, like, draw him and not be able to use him. Because you ran into a Bay of Ice deck that's, you know, going to beat you in initiative. Yeah, and if you consider, he's also unique. So, if again, if you're building a deck around him, you need to run three copies of him. And now, you know, if you don't have the saves to keep him alive and one die, you know, one copy dies, then it's like, okay, now this whole deck that I've built around this, you know, this choky character, you know, isn't even going to work right. He's three strength, which makes him super vulnerable to burn. Just all around, I'm not a big fan. I don't know if I call three strength it's, super yeah, vulnerable to burn. One strength is super vulnerable to burn. Nor- all right, um, an except. All right, if the normal amount vulnerable to burn, the normal amount vulnerable to burn, except that almost all burn is running high initiative. Are you seeing much burn? I don't know. Where, at our regional here recently, we saw a lot of targ. But none of it was burned. They had their incinerates and nothing else, basically. Oh, you. And this get, guy yeah. could have five strength, and he would still get incinerated. So true. But you didn't get the uh, Tulsa Hollow Hill. Nope. Nope. Uh-uh. Ah, Summer Goth Rocky. Did Kaiser come up? Yeah. Yes. Really? That jerk. Should have played that deck. Would have kicked your butt. Oh well. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give him a C minus. Um, I think I do like him. Uh, overall, I think he's a strong card. You do have to to skew your deck toward using him, uh, but I think I think the payoff is is worth it if you do want to uh, build a deck that does that. You're kind of a jerk if you do, but uh, I'm willing to give him a B minus. You think this guy's in the same planet as the guys we talked about? Some of that went in earlier that went in every deck. Uh, I well I I think Greg's criteria when he says every deck like. The way we've kind of talked about stuff before, I I would probably push him maybe even a little higher. Uh, oh. Sorry, Guyard, uh, a okay. little, little higher than than Greg did uh, in the end. But Iron King's Guard on a sheer power level, I don't know. May maybe he should bump down to to C plus for total you know decks he'll peer in. There's kind of competing mac- metrics there, um, so I don't know. Let's revisit that for two point <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's D plus C minus range. I think he's going to be seen a lot less. Now, you know, if I'm sitting at a table and my opponent plays him and they're running a high initiative, then, you know, my grade for him is going to get bumped up because I'm going to be really pissed at that point in time. But I just think he's not going to see anywhere near as much play as, uh, you know, as some other choke effects have in, in chokey decks. Okay. Is this me? Yep. Iron Island Shipwright, another one we talked about. Um, character, Don Unique, one cost, one strength, Ironborn. When, while Iron Island Shipwright is standing, cards cannot be moved out of opponent's discard and dead piles. But I don't want to leave my Chud standing. That defeats the whole purpose of having a Chud. I mean, it, 
if this had came out in the time period that I feel it was created during, you'd probably be willing to do that to, to tackle yes. some of the bloodthirst recursion or the Barra Hollow Hill stuff or whatnot. But like things have moved so far past that now, like and the meta will never come back there because yeah, this is it. Yeah, exactly. Like at the if he'd been out then. I would probably give him a pretty high rating, but now it's going to be pretty low. Uh, I don't know. I disagree with you guys. I think that there's still a ton of recursion that happens, plot phase, draw phase, marshalling phase. Um, you know, what's Baratheon's best plot? You know, Mel's schemes. It's going to basically make yeah. Mel's schemes useless. Okay. Baratheon's um, bottom of the barrel again. I, I'm just using that as an example, Aaron. I think that I, I think you can choose every house that has recursion effects that they use on a regularity and it's going to shut down at least half of those if not more well except for against targ where he's very easily burnt away oh of course yes. he is he's also going to be your first shot at he's also going to be your first claim soap most of the time and the one cost slot in Greyjoy is stacked it is it is, but I think he's gonna he's gonna do a little bit of work, even in a short time on the field. You know, it it's not like he's gonna sit there turn after turn after turn and shut down every effect. But even if it prevents your opponent from doing you know a few things here or there, and if you're playing against a deck without recursion, then like you said, he's just a one cost you know chump change you know toss for claim kind of thing. But if if all of a sudden you're going against a Baratheon deck or you're going against a you know Targ deck that that isn't necessarily burn oriented but's got some attachment recursion through Lady Danny's chambers or something else, or you know even uh, you know we don't see them very often anymore. But Maester decks with the Bronze Link, the Recycle Link, um, you know I just I think that there are a lot of recursion effects that we've been playing with for so long we almost take for granted that they're recursion effects. And I just think in general he's going to shut down more than we think. But you're not putting him in a deck again to build around. You're not putting him saying, oh man, this guy just absolutely beats these decks. He's just a thorn in their side. And because he is just a chump, you know, you're like, all right, he's a thorn in their side until I get to toss him for claim. So what kind of yeah, rating do we get? No, but yeah. no. See, but I don't accept that because he's a thorn in their side. And, but he's a thorn in their side in those specific situations, whereas a distinguished boatswain who's taking or a um, Dampier's Drowned is more than a thorn in their side. Like, they're, they're either extreme strength or fantastic icons, and, like, I just don't buy that he's more valuable, like, for that one chance you get him as that thorn than those other cards. You know, the, I forgot the name of the second one. The one that, you know, when you have more locations, gains the intrigue icon. Mm -hmm. Um, they're one for two. So obviously the strength bump is better for them. And, you know, in the, in the occasions that you do have more locations, you also get the extra icon. But that's it. I mean, it's a character with one higher strength, you know, well, with, with potentially an extra icon. But it's not a thorn in anyone's, it's not a thorn in anyone's side. You know, not like Brienne is a thorn in someone's side. This guy, when he's on the table, if you have recursion effects, he will be a thorn in your side. Sorry, but, you know, the, the damn fair guy is never a thorn in my side. He's just a one-for-two guy that's cost-efficient. That has an intrigue icon in the house that needs it at a one-cost slot. Sometimes he has an intrigue icon. 
It's Greyjoy almost always. Right. I give this guy a C minus. Well, it's better than I thought you'd give him. <laughs> I mean, I may surprise you. I'm going to give him uh, a D plus because I feel he is so uh, meta dependent. He's a silver bullet. If Thrones was a game that had a sideboard, he is 100% a sideboard card. If you feel like you're you're gonna be seeing. Uh, a lot of Baratheon or something doing some recursion tricks. You sub him in. If not, you don't. It's trickier to, to make that call uh, in Game of Thrones. So overall, I give him a D. Uh, I'm going to go C+. All right. I don't well, think he's an auto-include, but he's definitely going to be on my mind when I'm building decks. Okay. Well, sends us on to one I'm personally awfully excited about. Orkmont Port. This is a two-cost Greyjoy location. Uh, Iron Island straight. And response, after you win an unopposed challenge, claim one power for your house. This is a direct reprint uh, with a different name of the uh, CCG card Tower of Pike, which was one of my all-time favorites. Uh, it is a very, very strong effect for them. It's what made Greyjoy unopposed, in my mind, actually a playable archetype in uh, the CCG. So I think this may put it on the map uh, potentially in the the LCG in Joust and definitely puts it back on the map for Melee. Will, do you happen to remember that Tower of Pike was a card that spawned Errata? And Errata isn't even the right word. More uh, clarification. Oh, rules clarification, yes, because people wanted to win one unopposed challenge, and then trigger that Tower of Pike 15 times till they won the game. Yeah. So, I, you know, wherever wherever it says in the FAQ that a specific card, you know, that has a response effect, that that response can only be triggered one time per event, it's because of the previous iteration of this card, Tower of Pike, and people being morons. Yeah, people exactly. Um, I like it in Melee. Yeah. I don't think it fits in any draft deck. Maybe draft? a rushy. I think it would. Sorry, draft. draft deck for That's sure. not what I meant. Sorry, any <laughs> constructed deck except maybe the um, Raider Rush stuff. I don't think that's very good, even with this. I don't know. I mean, that's existing deck types. I think this this may allow us to make a a playable new uh, unopposed rush deck. Well, what would you use in that to get unopposed? Because I think the Raider tech is the best way to get unopposed in this game. Or to guarantee yourself unopposed, anyway. Mm, maybe. I mean, support of Harlaw has always been uh, a viable positive attachment in my mind. Uh, and with attachment control, and maybe on a bit of an upswing with Mel's favor and Sky Cells, might be a, a bit more of a gamble, but we're still not at, uh, you know, immediate reaction levels unless you're up against Targ. Oh. I think if you're trying to play T1 decks right now, you need to have an answer for attachments. Who's playing T1 decks? There's six months left in the game, and this is the last pack. I live in the it's Northeast. time to have fun. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone is playing T1 decks. Well, it's it's going to make Greyjoy unopposed. It was already, I think, T1 in Melee, but this is going to push it to the next level. Oh, yeah. I think Going it might... straight on the house card and not being Valor vulnerable is huge. It's one of the better... Uh, melee cards that's come out in quite a while. I just don't think it's very good for Joust. I think janky stuff like that always seems better than it ends up being. Mm, I give it a C... Yeah, C-. minus. 
Yeah, I'm I'm willing to give it uh, about a C plus if you if you average out uh, melee and joust. In melee, it's going to be an A. In joust, it's it's going to be lower. So yeah, it's like a D for joust for me. I was considering melee with the C minus. Fair enough. Right. Oh, you get to read the card I like. Oh no, I get to read no. the next card. Yeah, Yay. it's you. All right, the Giant's Lance, a unique one cost Lannister location. The Veil. Lannister only, which is hugely important for this card. Kneeling characters get negative one strength. Uh, this card is bonkers. Like, super duper strong. It seems pretty good. I mean, if nothing else, it it can just kill a lot of uh, chump challenges. You're not getting, getting chumped by a carrion bird or a moneylender or something. And sure, you can't do your own either, uh, but you know that beforehand, so you can build around that. Uh, Dave has his Lanny Conquest to Targ. Um, there's just like this would be great in tunnels. This is great in basically, like as Lannis, that deck has that stealth weakness, and a lot of the stealth is on little weenies that would then be you know you could block more easily. This card is awesome. Greg, um, definitely for one cost. Yeah, I think I, I don't necessarily think it's an auto include. Um, you do, like you said, you know, have to build around it. You know, if you're building a Lannister deck with carrying birds and moneylenders and weaponsmiths, you know, do you want to make nine of your characters essentially useless in challenges? No. So it's not going to be that type of Lannister deck that, that fills out the bottom of its cost curve with that, with that set of characters, unless it is doing, you know, um, tunnels, like you said. But this is, this is a very strong card. I'm going to give it a B. Hey, guys, I'm going to go ahead and run now, okay? Okay. All right. I got to roll. Sorry for leaving, but enjoy the rest of the cast. No problem. Thanks okay, for joining night. us. All right. Bye. Bye. Will, care to underrate your last location? To underrate my last location. Is this the last one ever? Holy cow. No, but this is the best of this pack's Um, You know, the Giant's Lance, it's good. Lannister only complicates some of its use a little more than I really wish. Still some options. Uh, yeah, overall, I'm probably just giving it a C plus. Yeah, I want to prop FFG for making that House Lannister only. Oh, yeah. Because that with either Grey Wind or anything in Targ would have been stupid. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> All right. Um, you're up. Okay, sends me on over to the next card, and this is one I'm pretty excited about. This is a Lannister event, Feed It to the Goats. Sorry, it is not a Lannister event. I'm just too used to thinking that. Uh, but it is a challenges effect. Neil X Klansman characters to a maximum of three to choose a Neil X non-lady characters. Uh, two the non-lady is adorable. Yeah, you can see how I thought it was a Lannister card, and that is one of my favorite minor Nedley touches that I've seen in the game in years. We haven't get gotten a lot of those just perfect little nods lately. Um, and that's that's cool. Plus, it's a super strong event. I don't know about super strong, but it's quite strong, especially given the new one-cost uh, clansman we got last pack. I think I think it's it's a very strong event with the refugees and the new one-cost clansmen. Um, the the potential 
to kneel some of my clansmen that I may want kneeling for some of their effects. Um, I think I think it's pretty solid. Yeah, it's a good card. It's definitely a good card. Um, it's obviously only in clansmen decks, but this is very good control for those decks. Mm-hmm. And it turns out those decks are on the upswing right now, so yet another tool for them. One, one. I think they will definitely play. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if there's really much more to say about it. I think by now most of the folks still listening to the show for first edition realize how powerful these kneeling events are. It is challenges, so it's uh, it's a little more limited than things like Harry the Riverlands or You Killed the Wrong Dwarf. Um, but it's it's still very strong. I think it's a C plus. Really? It's um okay. It's only in Klansman decks, so that's gonna lower it a little bit. And even in those decks, they're gonna run Harry and Rongor first, because any phase and those are generally better. Um this is gonna find its way as a like two of in those decks with the last couple spots, but those last couple spots end up being very competitive. Hmm. I'm I'm feeling and yeah, again, it is just Klansman only, but also on power level uh, I'm I'm feeling this one in like a B minus range. I think this is my favorite uh, first snow of winter card ever. Like <laughs> random, just like this has no interest in being uh, synergistic with first snow of winter, except how it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'll kneel all my refugees and one drop clansmen. Kneel out your big dudes. Make a challenge. Yeah, it's gonna be great. All right, let's talk about a bad card. That one's you then, right? Yeah, let's ransack. It's a Lannister event, or an event that's going to only ever see play in ever. Yeah, um, same, same reason mine, I thought, was a Lannister event. Yeah, well, this one doesn't matter. Like, that one will at least see play. Response, after you win dominance, ew, kneel X Lannister characters, minimum of one, to choose and discard from play a location with printed cost X or lower. That is so useless, it is painful. Yeah. Even if they just got rid of the win dominance, I would. I, I think there's some decks that would like throw in one or one to keep people honest. Maybe somebody that wanted to run like heavy location control in Lannister somehow would run a couple. Um, but man, you know, you want to make it good. You go after you win dominance instead of um. You keep the effect the same. Instead of claiming a power, do this. So that you can uh, get like HOD locations. That would be interesting. That uh, would at least no, make that, you think that about would, it. Well, okay. That would that would take some wonky wording. So you basically want it to be claim replacement for dominance claim? Yeah, basically. Uh, I really don't want to read that wording. Uh, why let's not? Just, the game's over. Break it. Let's just stick with Ransack being a bad card and yeah, call it a day. I'm giving it an F. Let's move on. It's. I still don't think it's as bad as Without His Beard. This has actual tangible effect on the board. No, I think this is actively worse. <laughs> I think if you are specifically not using characters and challenges to wait till dominance, to kneel a bunch of dudes, to get rid of the location, you're doing something wrong. Just run Condemned by the Council. It's it's a bad card. It's. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'll give it like an F+. Okay. There's uh, no such thing. Just as a teacher, let you know. I, I made it up. <laughs> I'm okay with that. We're using our own scale, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. To the next card, yep. we're on to Martel. This is Lariza Sand. She's a one-drop. 
of course. She's unique. Uh, she's one strength. Intrigue, or sorry, gosh, not intrigue. Scratch that, listeners. Forget you heard it. She has a power icon. Sand Snake and Bastard. And response, after a Sand Snake character you control is killed, draw one card. She's a unique one drop with a, only a power icon. I like her effects, but she's not staying on the board long enough to just to do anything but really replace herself. I was going to say, she can always replace herself. And, you know, I love the Downing Septas in Lannister. Part of their appeal is that you might be able to get them back multiple times. And it's a replacement effect, so it can't be canceled. Right. Not a replacement, a passive effect. Yeah. But Lorisa, I think, is close enough to that uh, that I'm still okay with playing a copy of her. Let's be honest, Sand Snake decks, still not a thing after the, after her, I'm pretty certain. But one copy of her, I think, makes a lot of my Martell decks as a no, no tempo loss claim. Uh, claim soak. It doesn't. It just doesn't. Like, really? I think you're forgetting exactly how far the game has come. Is she better than Zola? I have not played a deck with Zola in quite a while. I'm then, not sure. I'm not sure Zola fits any of the the Martell decks that I like to play. Uh, she's obviously not better than Lost Spearman. She's not better than the Bastard of God's Grace. Right. Like, what's she replacing that's in that deck already? Uh, you're not. And if you want to run her as your 63rd card, like. Yeah, I can drop more power to you. <laughs> I can drop a carrion bird or something. I don't know. I don't think she's better than carrion birds. She's certainly not better than green seers. Eh, it depends on how much of the traded plots you're actually seeing, but you know, Even I, I, I can't naysay the birds because they definitely won me a game by letting by searching one up and canceling at the gates first turn at the regional. So, you know, I've used all three in one game to cancel three things that were going to get rid of my Maiden Spain. Nice. So, I'm a big fan of those birds. But, I don't know. I just don't think there's, like, deck space is horribly tight right now. And unless it's a dedicated Sand Snake deck, I don't see room for her. And I don't think dedicated Sand Snake decks are good. So, I'm going to give her a C-, because I like think, the idea. You don't think at least Quentin wants her as a no. unique Martell one-drop? I mean, no. Hmm. Okay. Like, I'm not running the Bastard of God's Grace in those decks anymore, and the Bastard of God's Grace is better. Really, man, I don't think I could do with the Bastard do without the Bastard in those decks. But okay, Sarah, Sarah. So rating for her then? I think we're yes. gonna vary wildly. I'm giving her a C minus because I like the idea. Oh, less than I expected. You're you're being very generous based on your uh, earlier opinion. I was gonna give her a C plus. Last chapter pack. I'm trying to be nice. I've already given, like, two cards Fs. Fair enough. All right. Send this to the next one. I think that's you. Enjoy it. <laughs> a false hunt. Martell only response kills hand snake character you control to cancel a card effect that would search any part of or reveal one or more cards from a player's deck. Then choose an opponent to discard one rent card at random from his or her hand. The effect is unbelievably powerful. If it were to, even if it were just kill a Martell character, I think I'd probably like at least consider it. But it's a Martell event, and you have to run crappy Sand Snakes to make it work. So this card sucks. Now, you know, I haven't seen, and normally if there's going to be rules bickering, uh, especially now that we're a little late on the the CP review, I would normally expect to see that in the the Agot cards comments. I don't see anything here, so I'm amazed that no one's brought this up yet. Because 
I I just I want to hear me out. I want to make an argument here. If Game of Thrones will differentiate between deck and top X cards of deck for various things, like for instance, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what's the the Stark yeah. guy? Um, Albert Glover won't let you use the search top X cards effects with his discard pile. Uh, replacement uh, for the search because mm-hmm. searching a part of a deck and searching the deck are different things. Yes, but this talks around that. Uh, it says search any part of a player's a- any, deck. A whole deck. Say, a whole deck is a part of a player's no, deck. No, no, no. A deck and a part of a deck have been separated in the rules as I understand them. FFG right. needs to pick one and yeah. go with it. No, that is totally true. A deck and a part of a deck are different. Then, then this effect any needs to say. No, then this any, effect needs to say: search a deck, comma, or any part of the deck, any comma, part, or reveal one or more cards from any. Like the whole deck is any part of the deck. Mm. It, it is not a part of the but deck. Think, think about think about the way they've differentiated hands and cards from hand. Yeah, I don't think I agree. I see what you mean. I just think it's. Not necessary. And also, this will cancel plots, which is super awesome. I still think it's not a great card, but I think they have, perp- not purposely, but they have set up poor rules granularity in the past that. Slash after packet over it. Honestly, silly <laughs> to begin with when that stuff was introduced. And now a false hunt, I think, compounds that. And it's going to be a big I, problem in two years when another card comes out that enter. Oh wait, yeah. get over it. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. Last pack, they better not have this kind of crap in second edition. They won't. Better not. In in the meantime, if this just said kill a Martell character, I would run this because there are ridiculous amount of effects that this would mess with. You know, uh, you know what I just thought. There was oh, a simple wording around that. Good. Uh, they could they could have had it as kill a sand snake character to cancel uh, an effect triggered by an opponent with the word uh, search in it. Well, it's also reveal. Okay, with the words search or reveal in it. Okay, because they've already kind of modified and used that type of wording for things like you know the season searches and stuff like. That would have been so much cleaner and wouldn't have caused that issue. Anyway. No, it it definitely cancels some very good stuff. I just don't think I'm going to be running the Sand Snakes to do it with. Yep. I'm going to give it a D. Yeah, I think that sounds pretty reasonable as well. Okay. Kicks us over to Stark, right? That it does. This is you. Our final second edition champion card. Uh, this is Northern Patriarch. Uh, it is not unique. Three costs, three strength, military and power icons. It's a lord and how Stark only. And has the text, uh, Northern Patriarch is immune to opponent's plot effects while it has one or more power on it. If there are no other copies of Northern Patriarch in play, in order to, in order to play an event, an opponent must move one power from a card he or she controls to Northern Patriarch. So this is a one of in most Stark decks. Um, this Maybe is also no, nah, I don't think so. Um, 
I mean, maybe, but just decks are tight, once again. Yeah. Like, there's just not a lot of space, but it's a huge pain in the ass for a lot of people. But yeah. it's also Derek Schumacher's uh, champ card, who's a great guy, mm-hmm. and it's in memory of his grandfather. He explains the whole story on Beyond the Wall. If you haven't listened to that, you should absolutely go listen to that. It's actually really touching and really great. Great episode, and he made a very, very good card that I look forward to seeing exist again. Hopefully, you know, yeah. not just nerfing events into second edition, but we'll see. It's a strong card. It operates in kind of the the similar sort of space to uh, Brienne to muck with the opponent's ability to uh, play stuff and play events in particular. We've definitely seen that that's pretty strong. So and then, then you can throw them Valar proof. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You throw the plot immunity uh, on top of it, and whew, pretty tasty. Yeah, it's a good card. I think he's a solid B. Yeah, I think that's that's a reasonable rating. Surprised to hear us agree on two in a row. Well, let's see if that goes away. We've got <laughs> the Palisades, yep. because cards should always be named after New Jersey. Um, it's a location, Stark, non-unique. Siege, during the first challenge initiated against you each round. Treat all non-army characters as if their printed text boxes were blank. Um, I mean, messes with Viper, and other than that, it's boring. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean it. It it does some really interesting stuff. I I gotta hand it to the Tolsons when they were up here for the regional, talking with uh, Kaiser. He pointed out something um, that I had missed there. It actually blanks every character, whether yeah. they are in the challenge or not, which is a pretty sweet, uh, or it has some pretty sweet potential in it. I mean, sorta. It mostly gives you a way to Valar, not to Valar, excuse me, to Endo Quarter Viper. You make, a mil- you make a military challenge with the unique, you win, he doesn't have any icons, he gets no quarter. Something Greyjoy might like. Greyjoy. Stark? Perhaps. Greyjoy, sorry, Stark. I, sorry, I was about to. I was busy thinking about uh, some other stuff. I was thinking about the Cannot Be Killed Asha as another possibility. It's another way to deal with Barrick. Not that we need more of those at this point, but, you know. Um, I still don't think it's worth actually running. Like, it's got that one very cool usage, and I don't know if this is played. I mean, I guess Martel doesn't really run location control, so it's going to keep being a pain in the butt. But if they open with military, you just, like, um, Brian can no longer stop anything, so you Gaston. You need Frozen Solid. It's like it's like oh, a whole yeah. thing, and it's really... Yeah. And it really ends up being just for Viper. Like, that cannot be killed, Asha. doesn't get played anymore. The other one's unrestricted. Yeah, eh, that's fair. That's fair. So, Palisades, eh, D-plus-ish? Yeah, I actually agree completely. Okay. So, okay. it's on to, to uh, Targ then, right? Mm-hmm. This one is the new Kalasar. Four cost, four strength, military and power icons, Dothraki and army traits has no attachments and renown, and the limited response, if you win a power challenge in which a new Kalisar participated by four or more total strength, kill each participating character on the opposing side. I uh, saw effect very similar to this in the CCG days that went on one of the dragons, I think it was Drogon, uh, which was 
pretty nasty, mainly just for the ability to push the stuff through, because uh, people didn't want to tangle with it. Um, oh, yeah, all so limited really, response, though. Which ruins it to me, because yeah. I would totally try and build something with this around um, that other limited response that's name now escapes me. Three cost location, help. Um, oh, Dagnabbit. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. That burns uh, someone down, gives them minus four. Yeah, after you've won a challenge by four or more strength. Yep. So, like, that would create a wonderful catch-22. Yeah, totally. But, no. No, we're not going to be well, able to do that. I mean, yeah. It, it it depends, I guess, on if you just really want to push the the challenge. There's still, even with both of them in play, that's just, I guess, even more incentive to not defend the challenge. He is no, going to be. If you don't defend, he's that kneels and kills whatever it wants. R- okay, right. So the two do complement. Oh, so they do complement yeah, each they do other. Com- they do complement. They yeah, bother to defend. You find a way to win by more than four. Uh, and then you Kalisar kills them. They don't defend. And the, um, the location kills them. It's not Scorched Earth. That's the. The one that blanks uh, locations. What yep. the heck is that? I do not know, but I do like that combo, so I'm going to try and build something around that. Yeah. yeah and it's it's more non-unique renown for, uh, for Targ. They are getting faster and faster. Yeah. Agreed. Hmm. I like this card a lot. Yeah. Now that now that that combo <laughs> came to mind, I like this card a lot. Yeah. No, that's gonna be sweet. Dothraki can put the strength on the board to make it count. He already hits that that price point by himself. Um, and in melee, he's gonna Dothraki that has stealth on power, right? Yep. So yeah. you can even just make sure that they don't get to defend with whatever chump. It's a shame you can't trigger both at once. Still, like if they, right. you know, if you'd use two of these and like. They chump block, you kill that character, and then you kneel the thing to kill another character. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But still. So what kind of rating do you actually wind up giving him in that end? C+. Slightly above average card. Yeah, he seems pretty good. Um, he's got some good synergies. I'm not sure I, I 100% like jump on a specific existing deck home. Um yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe you find some room for that in some kind of existing Dothraki build. Um, so, yeah, yeah, probably C-plus-ish for me. All right. Maybe B-minus. I don't know. The more I'm thinking about that non-unique renown, that may push me into into B-minus range. They're just getting renown all over the place now. It's definitely a good melee card. Oh, yeah. Fantastic in melee. Nobody's going to want to mess with defending against him unless it's like dire straits. Because if you've got some way to to pump or or reduce strength and turn that on him, you wipe out their defenders and just I don't know. Not not going to be pretty to to get hit by that and further open yourself to other people. All right, am I Dothraki C? Yep, Dothraki C. One cost, nine unique target location. Traits the East, no attachments. If you have one initiative, each of your characters with one or more attachments gets plus one strength and gains. Cannot be discarded by opponent's card effects. Um, have you met my friend Jimmy? He cracked corn and I didn't care. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, I think we all know what this is. It's essentially if you are super worried about Aftermath for your Dothraki deck, 
but you have to win initiative and, and run a bunch of attachments. And run a bunch of attachments. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it's it's just not getting there. Too many requirements for a very specific counter effect. So I'm willing to just go ahead and give this a D minus and move on. Agreed. Next. Okay. Bloody Iraq. This one is a target attachment. Zero cost weapon. Dothraki character only. Attached character gets plus one strength. While attached characters participating in a challenge, opponents' characters without attachments lose all keywords. As uh, always, I when I see a zero do- drop attachment, I just wish it wish it had setup. But uh, even oh well. even with setup, I'm not running this crap. This just doesn't seem to play. Um, F, do you care? Uh, yeah, it's it's just the keywords. Uh, maybe gives you some extra stealth targets or something, but not not huge. Okay, yeah, I'll jump in with F as well. Yeah, uh, it's going to get you an extra little bit of deadly, an extra little bit of stealth, and ultimately, you're going to wish you had played any other card. I mean, it's you know what it's decent with that Dothraki guy that discards weapons to uh, or can reattach weapons from the discard pile. But I'd just rather play good cards to do that with. There's enough weapons without this. Alright. On to you. Lothor Brun is a neutral character. Unique. Three cost, three strength, house Aaron, military and intrigue icons, war crest. While there is at least one castle plot revealed, Lothor Brun does not kneel to attack or defend. And then I remembered that the Mad Huntsman was better and moved on. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I want to like him because I know the Mad Huntsman is pretty good. Um, the Warcrest is nice and all, but I just wish a couple more of the castle plots were playable. There's one that I think is highly playable and a couple that are, like, borderline situationally good that I just haven't had a lot of luck with. Um, There's three I like. There's it's, two I like. We're, we're and one that others like. We're probably talking the same three. Uh, and I like this. Taken Captive is yeah. a solid card. That's the one that I more or less like. I like the four, um, four six, gold eight. one that. No, that yeah. no, I don't like that one. That's the one that other people like. Because that's basically saying, I've got two claim and I'm going to give you an extra military claim. That's silly to me. Next turn. Yeah, well, that's, whatever. That's future Will's problem. You can deal with it then. Yeah, that's a good way to lose Thrones games. Um, I've seen people have to get rid of really good cards because I did something they didn't expect on that turn. And then I'm just like, hey, thanks I, for that third claim. In the decks I've run that in, I I would never tra- trace any of the losses back to having, having a lot. But I've caught that with Aftermath numerous times. Far you, afield from Luthar Brune. <laughs> when you catch it with Aftermath, it's a much less good card. Especially if you have anything else that, like, no quarter or something else to get rid of a dude. Gaston Gray, so on. Um, neither here nor there. Lothar Brune does not have stealth. Mad Huntsman is better. Oh, the third castle I like is the draw a card, discard a card, by the way. Yeah. And Lothar Brune is just there. He's a C. He's a perfectly respectable average card. Yeah. He is. He does at least have the slight perk of being one of the, the better castle love cards we've gotten in this set. So mm-hmm. take that how you will. Okay. Oh, I guess uh, I may not have explicitly said it. Uh, he is probably fine for me as well. Maybe some minus. Like the last but the Warcrest is nice. 
I don't know. Maybe maybe the Warcraft does keep him at sea level. Okay. Yeah, sea level. We can Sorry. we can <laughs> oh nice. Uh we can change things up here with the next one, maybe. Uh, is, that, is that one to me? Yep. Alright. Uh we've got another unique character. This is Mord. He's a one cost, one strength, military icon, house era ally. You may spend gold on Mord as if it were in your gold pool. Response after you win dominance. Choose a character with printed cost three or lower. Shuffle that character into it, its owner's deck unless its controller moves one gold from his or her gold pool to Mord. Uh, How bonkers is that? <laughs> ridiculously it's, overpowered. We finally have a one-drop military that's comparative to a carrion bird. It's pretty... Uh, it, uh, that's comparable, I think... To um, pre-errata carrion bird. No, let's not get crazy. Carrion I mean, bird. You had to have bird. extra cards to to work together to to get to basically what more does on his own. Um, Other cards do make more better, but yeah, but the carrion bird can kill something like a northern cavalry flank or a red viper if the opponent isn't careful and gets unlucky. The Carrion Bird can control seasons. The Carrion Bird offers extra draw with Sam. The Carrion Bird is still a ridiculously, ridiculously overpowered card in this game. That Mord is even comparable makes him an A-range card to me. Oh, yeah, um, I'd definitely put him in the A-range for sure. I, I, I mean, that he's an ally, and that, you know, you can threat him away, puts him at an A-, minus. but, like, in Tunnels, in uh, Choke, in General Stark... This guy is craziness. He's he's very good. I mean, sure, your opponent can can always pay him off, but like at that point, he's a money lender, basically. I mean, or he's still he's still better. Smith, I suppose. No, in they need they're saving gold for to deal with the, your one drop. Yeah, well, no, I meant even a weaponsmith to me is is definitely playable like that is the bare yeah. minimum of what he does is he's a weaponsmith for you but yeah he's better than that he's affecting what your opponent plays uh if they set on it if not 3 is that sweet spot to hit um and he shuffles into the deck so there's a bunch of saves that can't be used um yeah actually basically the only save that could be used is a duplicate so I, I'm I'm definitely willing to give him that A minus. Yeah, I think he's absolutely an A minus. What a great card! Um, I also really like anything that even nominally lowers. Uh, nominally is totally the wrong word there. Pretend I said a better word. <laughs> lowers the utility of Mira because now Stark has to save two gold in winter, three gold if they want to get um, Arya out too, well, and that's really unless they limiting. find a way to send Mira back before dominance. No. Great, but and like, you do have then, to win dominance. They want to they want to bring worth. Mira out. Like if they want to bring Mira out, they need that gold, and then you're get they're getting rid of something else. Well, if if you win dominance, sure, but yeah, sure. you're not using him to get rid of Mira though. They're still no. going to get Mira use if they have a way to send her back. Agreed, but they're limited in what else they can play at that point. Yeah, yeah, which is but they're not necessarily have to sit having to sit on that other gold if they're willing to sacrifice someone. Other than Mira. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> like, um, you can also... N- yeah, no, just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely is. He puts the crimp on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Guess who's immune, though? The Red Viper. Red Viper, yeah. Well, he's five-cost and it's immune like, anyway. 
Yeah. But he'll mess up Danny. Like, just good stuff. Like, if Danny's tar- and even if Danny targets him, you want to target my one strength dude? Please feel free. He's a scary one strength dude. Yeah. Alright, next up. Yep. Back to you. Uh, Sky Cell. Non-unique, zero-cost attachment. Neutral. Uh, the Veil. Attached to a character of 50 cost, 3 or lower. Attached, char- attached character's controller. Must select his or her plot card when revealing a new plot at random. Attached character gains. Marshalling. Kill the character. Cannot be saved. I don't like this card's existence, but I don't think it's as good as people are making it out to be. It's it's not, not bonkers. You are rarely going to get the... Re- randomized plot reveal and the randomized plot reveal is rarely going to be as painful like you, you know like when i was trying to to really mess with it in the hands of the cohort like it's very rare you're gonna get that amazing you know valor play when they don't want it kill everything on their board sort of thing uh sky cells yeah. not not set up a bowl uh, still eating into those kind of slots it still at least goes onto that sweet spot of characters, but it's it's a s- semi-automatic kill kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of in the range of like poison coin. Like it's it's probably a pretty good card, but it, it does give your opponent some ability to actually have the decision decision making power in it. You know who should run this card? Bad players. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've got a deck that's that's running. Too, but uh, no, no. I mean, I'm not calling you a bad player, but I mean, like, if you're not very good, and you know, like, there's people of higher skill level in your meta, um, they can probably read your plot choices. Like, whenever I play, when I play certain people, they're always like, "Why do you know what plot I'm gonna play before I play it?" I'm like, "Cause I've mm-hmm. played a lot of fucking Thrones at this point in my life." Mm-hmm. Um, this will mess that up royally, and you'll probably have a better chance of winning than if you guys are both choosing your plots. <laughs> but like. <laughs> Or they'll kill a bunch of dudes, and you're fine with that too, right? Yeah. So, if you're... But, like, I don't want to play this card, even if it will kill three cost guys as a possibility, because I can outplot those people. So, I want to be able to do that, and I don't want this messing that up. Like, I don't want to not know when Valor's coming. I don't want to not know when your Power of Blood's going to be played. It's a very interesting one. And I just realized, looking at it, it's not even a condition... So no. no no chance of the old crescent coming back into play just to you know make it a non issue. Nope. Dragon Thief. Yeah. Viserys, so on. Yeah. Targ has a good answer. All the no Targ one. stuff, right? Yeah. No one else does though. Yep. Um It's weird to see all really this other stuff bleeding from house to house, but nobody's nobody's getting good attachment control except Targ. Yeah, it's I mean um no, really no one. Starks is okay. But it's yeah. really one card, right? Frozen. Yep. I mean, Mira will do it, but not for this one. Yeah, in a pinch, she will. As long as it's going on anything other than a character. Yep. This yeah. card's okay. It's pretty. Um, it's pretty decent. I mean, I think overall, I'm still willing to to give it a like a C plus or B minus. Yeah, I think around I think, a B minus. I think I think it does some work. Uh, and against a lot of people, it's going to be a marshalling phase, kill that character. Yeah, I think it uh, royally screws up control. Yeah, yeah. So, it screws up control and tempo. If you want to play aggro, I think you throw a couple of these in because you want to kill shit anyway. 
And, yeah. And the aggro decks are, are barely going to care if they get hit by it either. Like, whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. My one plot's about the same as the next. But uh, I've, I've seen some folks kind of commenting that decks running the city plots really aren't going to care much about Skyscale. And I... I am a hundred percent against that. The order you you play those in matters a ton. Mm-hmm. And get- sure, the order a lot of times is the same, but it it matters. I agree there very much. Um, I don't know. It's fine. It's a fine B minus card. Like again, like if you have, I don't know, if Corey's in your meta and. He keeps knowing what you're going to pick before you pick it and destroying you every game. Let him kill dudes or mess with his luck and see if you can beat him that way. There you go. Alright. Last one. Should be you, so... Alright. It's uh, it's funny to finish the game out on a plot with the perfect stats. Props <laughs> on if you've been lis- listening to the show long enough to know what why these are the perfect stats. Uh, and you know what? I'm not even going to explain. Let's just say we we really like four five one plots. Uh, it's wait, wait. Can we? Uh, I don't know. If you're the first person to comment, you can come on the show and like be a guest host one day. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun. First person who uh, who can post in the comments uh, and dredge up the reason why four five one is the the perfect plot stat line. Uh, I would love to have on as a guest. Read it. All right. Four gold, five initiative, one claim. As high as honor. Your defending characters gain renown. It's a melee plot. Let's get that out of the way to begin with. No matter how much Corey and our meta desperately wants to make uh, Stark White Book work, uh, and as high as honor looks like it goes in that deck, it's still like a D-tier deck at best. Um, But in melee... With the current support system where I could jump in to defend for somebody else and kneel out my board or whatever to win the game on a surprise like that, that's pretty cool. I like it um, a lot in Melee Siege, too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. So, okay. This card uh, exists, and it's good in Melee, and it's okay in Joust. It's not good, but it's okay just because it's got good stats. And yeah. I'm going to give it a C minus, and then we're going to move on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think C minus is overall yeah, probably about the right place to average that out. You know how you can tell 1.0 is ending? Will and I just agreed on, like, the last 15 cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what did never happened. That? I really am Xyler for the week. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then and then you hit next on a got cards and it goes oops the card you were looking for is not found, and how appropriate. Blomp, blomp. So, thoughts on the final chapter pack? What a weird way to go. I I really think you can tell they weren't planning on this to be the end when uh, when they made it. Uh, IMO. If if I'd been them and I knew beforehand it was the last pack, I definitely would have would have thrown people more of a bone in the last pack. Tried I, tried to wow them a little more, do all sorts of of stuff. If I were them, I would have released like a goodbye box set. Like you don't have to buy it, but if you want to for the end of the game, like here's a twenty dollar, twenty five dollar like 
here's the last things we wanted to do with this game, you know? Mm. I would have bought it just to have it. Yep. But, you know, thank you for not milking us for money, but I think I still would have been happier with that than what we ended up getting. Like, this doesn't feel like a goodbye so much as it feels like a what the hell. Yeah, we're we're really left hanging there after that, I, I feel like. Um, waiting for the other foot to drop, and it's never going to drop. Nope. It's got some very powerful cards. I wish most of the most powerful cards weren't neutrals, but it's got some powerful cards. And some cards that have no business being in the last chapter pack of the game, or in this current meta. So, if you had to give this one an overall pack uh, rating, well, what would you do? Somewhat appropriately, I think. A C. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really never opening this pack. It's just going to sit closed forever. Good man. I'm going to miss 1.0. Weird rules and all, the gameplay was absolutely amazing. If it's kept uh, some people playing it for more than a decade, that, that says something, guys. If you just stumble onto this... Um, it's worth it. Yep. Alright, here's to 2.0. Hope it's nearly as good as 1.0. Props and slops? Props to Game of Thrones 1.0. There we go. I'm gonna miss it. Um, I actually have a a non-Thrones prop. Something I watched on Netflix that was pretty cool. Uh, but it does have a Thrones relation, so to speak. Um, I watched the first episode last night of a new BBC show that I saw pop up on there. Uh, I believe it was BBC at least. Certainly feels like one, but with a better budget than usual. It's a near future um, kind of sci-fi horror um, called Residue. It's just three episodes long. Um, basically, at the beginning of the first episode, uh, a bomb goes off in the middle of a town. And um, that really um, kind of messes with things. Cordon- they, they leave part of the city cordoned off. A bunch of people move out. And these supernatural things start happening. The government's trying to kind of cover it up and, and whatnot. But it's, it's very dark. Uh, high quality show. One of the main characters is actually the the guy that plays Ramsey Snow slash Bolton in uh, the Thrones TV show. Yes. Um, and uh, one of the other main characters is the girl that plays Tonks in Harry Potter and Osha in Game of Thrones. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I've got some Game of Thrones related slops for the TV show. Okay. I want to uh, slop the whole Sansa storyline. Immediately, because yeah. that's ridiculously bad writing. Yeah, I read a really good article uh, just the other day on about that general thing, and basically how deleting like the washerwomen and uh, so on really, really screws up the the story and the message that. <sighs> <laughs> Hi, Kyle. God. <laughs> Say when. Uh, go ahead. I'm just texting him to say 
Shut up. Quit, quit calling for a bit. I also want to slop that Greyjoys no longer seem to exist on the show. Yeah, how weird is that for it to just be gone? Like, I mean, aside from they the just on, sort of. Yeah, I mean, Reek. But n- no... Um, What's her name in the show? Asha's name uh, in the show? Yara. No, Yara. Just how do you get rid of in the entire house? They just disappeared. Like, I don't think Balon even died. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's... No, I think they mentioned it... Uh... In passing? I don't think so, but... It's just... It's brutal. It's painful how... Little they seem to be doing with the Greyjoys. I'm sorry if you're a fan of pirates, but, you know... Mm-hmm. Find another show, I guess. They <laughs> seem to have been written out. More Game of Thrones slots. The Sand Snakes are the worst thing ever. They're ruining my favorite house. I'd almost rather they were forgotten. Hmm. <clears throat> I don't know what they're doing. They can't act. None of the Sand Snakes are good actresses. No. Yeah. It's, like it's they're been bad. Everything. It's it's been really really lame. I I don't know what's up with that. Um, this the last episode, and this will be up Friday. So, the last episode that aired is the only episode of the season I think I've liked, and even then, it was with many reservations. Maybe they should have waited for George. <laughs> um, yes. Yes, I think so. Uh, it turns out there's a big difference between adapting and writing your own show, huh, guys? Go figure. I mean, I in know. fairness, think in fairness, like, in complete fairness, had they... God damn it. <sighs> Kyle again. Um, <laughs> calling you now? No, he's messaging us in the Skype chat. <laughs> I just, I, I think I'm ninety percent sure he's drunk. That would explain a lot. But he just got off work fifteen minutes ago. Um, many shots. I don't know. Hello. Holy shit! Oh god! Look who's on the. I didn't still drunk. This is who, this is what we get for starting a group call that Kyle is technically still in. Holy <laughs> shit. Awesome. Oh, I miss you guys. <laughs> we miss you too. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a great way to close out the episode with with no! Kyle popping up to throw in a proper slop. <laughs> oh, unreal. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I was just talking to my wife like the last 20 minutes. I was like, did you get in the cast this week? And he's like, nah, I got home real late and missed it. And I was like, damn. I was, like, was going to call Will and see how it went. And I called Will and he texted me, oh, I'm finishing up recording. I was like, what kind of shit is this? <laughs> you guys must be recording for three hours. We we were trying to actually do the last chapter pack review. And we buzzed through cards, but it's still, you know, an entire chapter pack. Yeah. Plus, plus the uh, Greg was on for the first half. He did all the 2.0 like preview article for Melee and the Queen of Thorns spoiler with us. And Every listener is now first yelling half at us. Like, I fucking know. I listened. No, no, no. This won't be there. <laughs> oh, okay. 
It's Let's go back and do them all again. For. Give my thoughts on it. Not, not recording for that long, Kyle. Sorry, bro. I'll let you jump in for props and slops, but, but cool. I'm not redoing the review. Uh, you guys can totally redo the review. I'm going to go have sex. Well, no, no, no. Well, that's, that's, that's what you do before the podcast. Uh, I work the podcast like a man. And now I You work home. like a man? How do you work like a man? Well, you get paid uh, about a quarter more. That's horrible and true. Uh, Actually, my lab's like all with and me. Like I'm like the one, the the like white male is the minority in my group. It's very odd. I don't know how I feel about it. You also probably get paid more than us, so don't worry about it. That's that's probably true. I I bet he does for the same work. I want to prop Corey for the awesome DC stuff. Like, their regional was top-notch. Off the hizzy, as the kids say. And props to Roy for driving, my wife to sucking it up, and DC for being a great city to be touristy in. Sweet. All good things. Cal, give us a prop. Alright, I gotta, uh... I think a, a good prop. Um... My, our beer is coming along swimmingly. Uh, me and uh, Ben brewed up in a Irish Red Vengeance uh, <laughs> uh, uh, ale for uh, our regional. We're doing like a little get-together warm-up Friday night. And stuff. Five gallons of tea brew to uh, ease our sorrows that evening. So. It's becoming a bit of a tradition. I like it because it's, you know... Chance for me. Is he gone? Yeah, he's, he's mostly gone. <laughs> he's I'm right. gone? Yeah, you were so gone for most of that. Yeah, this, this is the problem with you, with you uh, being on on the phone. Uh, Damn it. I like, I get to brew beer. Beer is great. Drink beer at Iowa. Come to Iowa. Mm. There. There we go. But not really. Five gallons Irish Red. It's delicious. Will's coming. Yep. Sure enough, actually making it this year. It's been like eight or nine years since I've made it to an Iowa regional. Something like that. And Tommy. So we'll have three hosts. That'll be good. All right. Someone yell it. Kyle, you're on it. See you.